The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's a road show Friday with Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal back in studio. We're here at the Single Barrel, another road show Friday. Getting ready for, dare I say it, the Ohio State. Numbers to get in today with Hale Varsity here till 6 466 3776 466 3776 800 825. 5865. We are loaded up. We are ready to talk Nebraska, Ohio State. What needs to happen tomorrow to maybe cool some of this hot seat talk for Coach Frost? And what's going to solicit a response from from Trev? Maybe we can catch uh, Teddy C on the way to the ice rink again this weekend after Ohio State. Get his thoughts on uh, on Nebraska's performance. But it's been a, a, a difficult week because you've got one eye on the ball of the opportunity with Nebraska, Ohio State. Your other eyes on the future discussion, and uh, we will get into all of it. Loaded up, Parker Gabriel is going to be with us from the Lincoln Journal Star. Uh, slated to have Jeff Mall from the Lincoln Convention and Visitor, Visitors Bureau pop by. It is just bumping down here in the Haymarket State Volleyball going on at PBA and some other locations across the capital city. That's awesome. And this weekend, Elijah was supposed to be kind of a culmination, and we knew that Nebraska's schedule was, uh, well, second-degree murder, okay? Uh, And and Nebraska's navigated this schedule uh, to the point where, okay, you're, you're happy as a Nebraska fan. They didn't get blown out. But now you're the back third of the season, and you're up against it for postseason, for bowl games, a bowl possibility. Doesn't feel good about tomorrow. Uh, and, and once you lose tomorrow, you are done again for a fifth consecutive postseason. You balance that with some of the progress you've seen, progress as far as you're in games against teams of substance, but you're also, for the most part this season, losing to, to, to teams that – uh, you need to be able to beat, and that's the interesting dynamic. It would not surprise me at all to see this thing go four quarters for Nebraska tomorrow. And and I'm wondering also just what what the juice is going to be like at Memorial Stadium. It's going to be different where you go back to, to some of the, the previous Ohio State uh, beatdowns in Lincoln uh, that existed, and those were those were night games, right? But you were just you were watching with both eyes covered uh, when you go back to 2017 and 2019 with game day on site. I don't know that that's the case. 
uh, just because uh, Nebraska's shown the ability to play up. But the reality is this. Ohio State has been a coach killer. Uh, you look at even when you first got to dance with Ohio State on the road in Columbus in 2012, it was a shootout. It was a game Nebraska was in, and then Braxton Miller went off 62-36. to 36. Now, the offense was good enough one day for Tim Beck to go work for Urban Meyer. Uh, you look at 2016, that was right after the overtime loss against Wisconsin and uh, another night game for Nebraska again in Columbus, 62-3, to uh, a complete annihilation. You fast forward to 17, where the team, had they been able to lock the gates and not come out of the tunnel, they would have. The look in that 2017 team's eye, they wanted no part of Ohio State. Joe Burrow even dirtied in a couple of fourth-quarter touchdowns for Urban to shove it to Nebraska for not recruiting uh, Joe Burrow the first time. And then you go back to 2019, 48-7, where you did see some I-formation option, but guess what? You had turnover. I don't know that, that tomorrow will be a killer for Nebraska or for Scott Frost as far as the, the long-term decision. But you and I both agree Nebraska needs to play well. Yeah, and I think in those the last three games you mentioned, the 2017, the 2018, and I'm getting my years wrong here, but those last three games you mentioned, that those were the three games where Ohio State punched a total of once, I believe. Right. I, I'm not sure if I'm correct in that, but that was got to be – it, like in line for the most embarrassing three-year stretch to be a, a Nebraska football fan, where you're getting run off the field by the good teams, and then you're losing to the teams that you should be beating in the Big Ten. Nebraska this year has solved one of those problems. They are no longer getting run off the field by the teams that are in the top 25, those teams that are in the top 10. They're playing those teams competitively. However, Scott Frost hasn't been able to get over the, the second hump, which is, I, I think, one of the things that Husker fans were expecting coming into this year. With the talent on this year's roster, what Husker fans wanted was to be competitive against the really good teams, the teams that you eventually want to get to their level. Be competitive against those teams. Even if you don't win, it's okay as long as you can go and beat the teams you're supposed to beat. The Illinois, the Purdue's, the Minnesotas. The, the teams that, I mean, even though Purdue is supposed to be competitive with, under P.J. Fleck. And it's, Minnesota's going to end up nine or nine, eight, nine or ten wins. So. It, it, it's still a team, though, you can look at the recruiting rankings year after year and go, and, and the money that's coming into these programs, and you can go, yes, Nebraska should be beating Minnesota. Minnesota pretty consistently eight out of every 10 years let's say that that should be reasonable standard for Nebraska to get to and they're not doing it absolutely that, that, that and that's been the problem is while Scott Frost has done really well in getting his team to a place where they can be competitive against the good teams they're not at a place where they're being the teams are supposed to be and that's why he's on the hot seat it, it's at the end Brother, of the day so he, I'm not sure what a result tomorrow against Ohio State is going to do to his job security barring he gets beaten 62 to 3 and Nebraska gets zero first downs and Ohio State doesn't bunt, punt and, and, and think about, we talk about the, the schedule, the season, the elevator. Like, this team loves the bright lights, mm-hmm. all right? And 11 a.m. is not necessarily bright light time, but it is on Big Fox, right? You got Clatt, you got Gus, you got, you got Taft. It's the highlight game uh, for Fox. And you're going to have a billion eyeballs, not quite, but you know what I'm saying. You're going to have multi-millions of eyeballs on this game because of the two brands. And... It's been a changing conversation quite often uh, this season. And you just go back to, to the conversation leading up to and after Illinois. You know, what the hell? What's going on? Things kind of calm down. Nebraska brings you back. And, and then they go play their, their butts off against Oklahoma. 
So you stay the the, the fan base stabilizes a little bit and say, okay, they're getting better. They they almost took down you know the boomer sooner, and then you look at where Michigan State's at, how they they've emerged, and you were I mean you were super as a fan, you were super proud of that defense. I mean you were like, man, that that was that was some vintage Nebraska stuff with what we saw from the defense and man look at look at Adrian Bale out the offense with some of his scrambles look how tough he is playing with whatever happened to his jaw all right and then you go take out your frustrations you release the fury on Northwestern and an incredible night game and you get another night game with Michigan and and think of the, the conversation how it's changed from Illinois to Oklahoma from Oklahoma to Michigan and then oh yeah uh, the last three weeks, it shifted back to more Illinois-like, like, okay, is this the right direction? Is Scott the right guy? What the hell's going on with Adrian? Because it's been anything but consistent. Inconsistency's been the consistency. So all bets are off with what you're going to see tomorrow. We want to see you here at the single barrel uh, down here four to six. Also, tomorrow, it's a, uh, uh, dare I say, kegs and eggs, right? You're going to have beer and whiskey or red beer. Or if you just want a strong cup of coffee, uh, you are invited down to the single barrel uh, tomorrow morning, seven to nine, Hale Varsity Weekend Edition. And then Real Red Reaction happens immediately following Nebraska, Ohio State. We're right here posting up again with the amazing folks from the single barrel inside the graduate. The uh, top golf suites are here. We've got koozies and new ESPN Lincoln t-shirts. The red ones that have the state of Nebraska. Mm, yeah. yeah they're, they're, that's they're a good money. t-shirt. And we've got the, the, the gray ones as well. And uh, you're invited down. But quite honestly, the buzz for this game is not what it should be. I mean, this this could, it still could be. But this, this game, the buildup with this schedule was going to be your crowning achievement. Could you ramp up and amp up through navigating the Michigans, the uh, Minnesotas, the Oklahomas, the Michigan States, and, and, and be playing good enough ball? Not that, all right, you need this for bowl eligibility. That was always part of the conversation. But at this point right now, it's supposed to be some icing for you with, okay, you've already got your five or your close uh, two five, you have five wins, so you were going to be able to take down somebody in your last three to get to six, or maybe you were coming into Ohio State at six, and you were going to try and tack on two or three somehow to improve, whether it's Nashville or Phoenix or Orlando, right? And and that that hasn't happened. Uh, the bigger conversation here, we talk about Ohio State being kind of a coach killer. It, it's it's whacked a lot of Michigan coaches. Uh, it's it's really you flip it back to, to Penn State's marquee night win over Ohio State a few years back in, in year three for Franklin. That really flipped the narrative for, for, for a Penn State. And while they've been right there against Ohio State uh, in, in, multi, in every outing, whatever Penn State team you get, whether it's eight and five or ten and three, they are knocking on the door always against Ohio State. They're chasing Ohio State, but it, it may drive Franklin out of i thought i just saw ryan day i'm checking that out sorry ball right get get him on the show Uh, (laughs) well exactly uh and so you have you have that situation where where nebraska's not quite penn state not quite michigan but if if they do bad things to you in front of your home crowd and it's a fire drill you know a second consecutive saturday in lincoln because you're just getting pounded 
that's not good. A little different if Ohio State's hitting a big play on you versus Purdue because one, you're expected to beat at home. The other, uh, let's see if you can, can rise up and, and match their level. So the, the bigger discussion point here, Elijah, about job security, I think, and we'll talk to Parker Gabriel coming up, I don't think – I'm kind of in agreement with Babcock as we go into this thing. You know, 24 hours from kickoff, a little less than. I think you got to you got to give Scott a year five, but it's got to look better these last three games. It's not a a a get out of jail. You're back no matter what. I think you need to lean towards making an announcement Sunday or Monday if it if what you see tomorrow against a playoff team is enough for you in the brass to say, okay, again, we've seen progress, just not the wins, and just make it known so these, these coaches can go on the recruiting trail this week, this bye week. You get a bye week before you load up finally uh, to go try and take Wisconsin and Iowa down. So I, I think you need to to make a statement if, if you're pleased with the progress versus the uh, – the takeaways, right? The pluses and the minuses. And, and quite frankly, I think and, and a different quarterback, a different system, and maybe some more experience on your staff can be the trick to a better 2022 uh, versus the growing pains of, of four years of a new guy who thought maybe he knew it all going into this league. Uh, and, and you've got to adjust. And he has, Elijah. He's adjusted. It's not that his offense hasn't had its moments and they put up a lot of stress on a lot of defenses with big plays they just not scored enough points they've not been physical enough and they've reevaluated the size they've recruited they've reevaluated evaluated the skill they've recruited they've gotten it wrong a lot or it's been a late development at running back which can't happen because that's how you're gonna you're gonna rock and roll in the big 10 and i don't mind having the, the quarterback as a run threat but you got to have a guy that can stay healthy, easier said than done, and doesn't get yippy when he's dinged up. you got to be able to play hurt if you're going to play hurt and, and be, be effective. Defensively, you've clearly seen, Elijah, the progress, the settling down, and the physicality. Are they great? No. Do they have a pass rusher? No. But no one's been able to just line up and smoke them like uh, the initial years of the Big Ten in the run game or even under the Riley years. So, there, there's there's some incremental progress there. It needs to happen in the win column, but I think it'd be a mistake to move on. I say that now. It could be 70 to nothing tomorrow. And, and again, that conversation will change uh, with the fan base. And I'm going to disagree with you here just in the fact that if Nebraska goes 0-3, even if they put up three good showings against three these teams. 3-9 is garbage. I hear you. If you go 3-9, and nine, I don't think there's any way you can keep Scott Frost around because – the, the administration has been talking about showing progress. Can Scott Frost show progress here in year four? And if you're three and nine, you're not showing any progress in the win column. You're actually showing regression. I don't care if there's a, a better eye test for you as a Nebraska football fan watching these games going, well, Nebraska looks better even if it's not showing up in the win column. I think you got to let Frost go if he's three and nine. Even four and eight would be tough for Scott Frost to keep his job because, yes, I can admit, I think the talent here is better. uh, But at the end of the day, it comes down to wins and losses. And if Scott Frost can't take the talent that he has generated within this program and turn it into a better win-loss ratio, I think you got to find somebody else who can take the talent that's sitting here right now and take turn it into a better winning uh, percentage because at the end of the day, there's the talent to win games here, and Scott Frost isn't getting it done. 
emails coming in, and uh, we'll get to some of those here coming up. Uh, Doug emails in Chris at HaleVarsity.com and just cl- and, and uh, respectfully says, shut it, Elijah. <laughs> Gotta love it. Gotta love it. There's a lot of people telling me to shut it with, uh, yeah, your five needs to be seen for Scott Frost. Husker Nation's and, divided right now. Well, it is, man. It's 50%. And, and Husker Nation's always divided. It's like Washington. <laughs> uh, it just it just is. It's, not, it's not that bad yet. No, it's not. I, and I love this place. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I don't want to get you know butchered here. But uh, come see us here at the Single Barrel uh, here till 6 uh, for the Friday Road Show, single barrel inside the graduate. We'll check in with Parker Gabriel next. And, uh, of course, uh, the pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman, in hour two. Clausburn is back from swallowing balloons, so we'll get the forecast on the way. Hail Varsity, Road Show Friday here at the single barrel presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He's in his 30s. But sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back into it, Hail Varsity Roadshow Friday. We're here at the single barrel inside the graduate. Thick old steaks for you. The uh, killer pork chop, 250 whiskeys, and the approval of one Parker Gabriel. Parker, this is nice. You and I get to to, to sample and partake and eat at the, the single barrel from time to time. And, well, we, we just don't share the love with Elijah uh, uh, Herbal too much, do we here? Uh, he's stuck with the fast food call. Yeah, well, someday Elijah is going to be faced with the reality that it's probably better to just have a chicken Caesar salad for dinner rather than anything you want. And when that happens, then, you know, you go down a single barrel and you get yourself on a, you know, get a good salad. Get a, exactly. Well, Parker, it's good to get caught up with you. Follow Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal star, great coverage in Nebraska football at Husker Extra PGs, where you follow him on Twitter. And the my, my, my attention's been divided between the near future with the Nebraska football program and the monster that is Ohio State. Uh, kind of 50-50 ball, so to speak, this week for me. And I want to start off with uh, with Coach Frost and, I guess, his future and, and start with that. And what, what's, your, what's your gut, what's your take here on, on a Friday before another big game and then, oh, by the way, two more uh, important uh, monster games. Are, are, you, are you of the, the opinion, the feel, that Nebraska will put out something next week saying, hey, look, uh, this is the direction we're going to go one way or the other. And, and I ask that because you've got recruiting looming. Uh, you don't want to leave your head coach and his staff twisting in the wind wondering, uh, is there going to be some sort of some, some sort of public declaration, I guess, one way or the other, or is it going to be a Sunday morning after Iowa? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I don't think anybody knows for sure. I do think, and I said this on on our podcast with the Journal Star yesterday, I do think that if the decision's already been made, which I, I don't know that it has or not, but if the decision's already been made and the decision is to bring him back, um, I think there are definitely would be benefits to saying that um, at some point after the game this weekend, whether it's Saturday, Sunday, whatever. And it's just for exactly what you said. I mean, it, it's a bye week next week. The staff's going to go out recruiting um, you know, it would help, I think, the staff to uh, have uh, that 
you know, in in their back pocket or to or to tell the people that have questions uh, on the road recruiting next week. Um, it also might, you know, Frost said yesterday, I asked him if he thought that his players felt any additional pressure just given the nature of the conversation at this point. He said, no, they're doing a good job of just focusing on Ohio State. I have to imagine that it might, you know, a vote of confidence like that might also just let everybody uh, breathe a little easy and then go play um, and not worry about anything else against Wisconsin and Iowa. Now, the flip side of that is I don't know if it's as simple as just saying if they announce he's coming back for 2022 on Sunday or Monday, um, then that's the case. And if not, then the writing's on the wall. I don't think it's necessarily that. I mean, you could wait till the end of the year after the Iowa game and, and make a decision either way. Um, it just seems like if you already know what the answer is and the answer is yes, maybe it's better to say it sooner rather than later. So it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks no matter what happens. Does tomorrow's performance, you know, what, well, I guess what's tomorrow got to look like for Scott, in your opinion? Uh, the fan base wants a, a win. Clearly the head coach and his crew want a win. Easier said than done. You know, if it goes favorably for Nebraska, I think it's going to be another Michigan repeat, uh, meaning that you're right there and the better team just wins for whatever reason. Maybe they make a play versus you making a mistake. That'd be a little different at least. But, right. uh, you know, I'm just kind of getting interested in your take here on, you know, how, how does Nebraska need to play tomorrow and how do you think they'll play tomorrow? Yeah, well, as far as, the, I mean, if, if you're saying need to play in terms of like, you know, the status of the coaching staff. I think, I don't know, I, like games matter, right? And results mm-hmm. matter. And that's true whether you're an athletic director that's been on the job for, uh, you know, four months or whether you're an athletic director who's been on the job for 14 years. Um, the I have a hard time, I have a little bit of a hard time believing that the, like you either, you either think it's going to work with this coaching staff or you don't. And that can change by degrees maybe over the last three weeks, but I'm not sure it's going to go, the light is going to go from off to on or on to off entirely um, in the next 20 days. Now, I mean, the conversation has shifted a lot in the past three plus weeks, but you know what? I'm not, I guess there's only one person or a few people uh, out there who know what what the last three games mean for 2022 um, and they're not exactly speaking up and saying exactly what they think it means so anyways like I don't it matters but I also think you know listening to the players this week um, I, I think they've given the impression that they're really excited about this they're going to come out and play hard and, and all that is it going to be enough uh, I don't know I mean it's a, it's a big challenge obviously with Ohio State but I'd be surprised if um, they didn't come out and and at least look like they're playing with a lot of energy and all that. Now, you know, what what is that worth on the scoreboard against Ohio State? You know, that they've got the ability to score a lot of points against anybody. But, um, you know, maybe it'll be a game. Is it, the, you know, people at Ohio State think maybe uh, it's a year where, where it could be a nail-biter or it could be closer than it's been recently, and uh, time will tell, I guess. 
Parker Gabriel's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Parker, with all this noise surrounding Scott Frost, uh, I want to ask you how much you think that $20 million buyout will factor into the, uh, the conversation uh, as we uh, approach these final three weeks with, uh, with whether the, the administration is going to be keeping Coach Frost or, or letting him go and trying to find a replacement. Well, I mean, uh, I think it's got to be a factor. Now, what is it the main thing or is it a contributing factor to the decision one way or the other? Um, I'd lean toward the latter. I think it's, I mean, put it this way, like Nebraska um, is a financial powerhouse athletically, like a lot of Big Ten schools are. Um, And I think that, you know, I think that if you felt very strongly, if the powers that be felt very strongly that uh, they had to make a change, I think they'd, you know, be capable of making a change. Is it, does it, does it make the decision tougher? I don't know. I mean, it's reality. I guess that's the best way to put it. Um, it's part of the conversation at this point. So um, the only the only way to to deal with it is to know exactly where it stands and 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 go forward from there. So yeah, I mean, it, it matters certainly. Um, it's you know it's twenty million dollars plus plus you know four more with the staff at least. So um, it makes a difference. But I don't think it's the driving factor one way or the other. Parker, real quick, how, how many Happy Meals with $20 million by Elijah? <laughs> uh, I'm not good at math, but like <laughs> 800000 That'd be good. Elijah, think about the dollar menu, man. <laughs> no, more, than, just, more you, than that, right? No, it'd be like no, $20 million would be like... Maybe like three point eight or close to four million. Well, the the problem million. is, is McDonald's doesn't even have the best dollar menu out there anymore. Their their dollar menu's gone downhill. <laughs> look at I look at Elijah just angling for nil money. <laughs> I love it. Let me ask you this, and we, we'll get we'll we'll wrap up here and get your your take on the game in a minute. But you're a guy that that has seen a lot of Big Ten ball, and and you've been in Lincoln for a few years now. What, what's your perspective on, on the Nebraska job if, if it is open? And, by the way, it's open every four or five years. <laughs> so, at least right. it has been. It, it's felt like the last 20 years. So, is Nebraska a tough sell for Trev Alberts to somebody new? I don't – I mean, I don't think so. I don't think so. Now, it's got limitations, and there's, yeah. there's a lot of schools out there that have limitations for, for one reason or another. I mean, you know, you don't – You've got limitations uh, in this part of the country just because of the you know geographical relation to where recruiting centers are at this point. And there are some schools, um, like you know the school that Scott came from, Central Florida, would be a good example of a school that has limitations in another way because of conference affiliation and revenue. Right. So there's schools that are really uh, good and get really good in different parts of the country that are dealing with limitations in some way, shape, or form, whether it's conference affiliation, whether it's uh, revenue, whether it's geographic location, whatever. And the, the key is you have to figure out what works where you are. Um, and that can shift a little bit over time, too. So, you know, th- there are schools like we, we hold up the same schools all of the time in this part of the country as sort of models for ways that it has worked. It's worked in a particular way at Wisconsin and Iowa. Um, it's working to a degree in a certain way at Iowa State, but you look at those schools and they're not reeling off 11 wins a year and never going through ups and downs and, and dips and, and whatever. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's 
you're just not, there's very few places out there that are going to build Ohio State where you've got basically no limitations on who and where you recruit. You've got basically no limitations money-wise. You've got basically no limitations in who you can attract as a staff and how many eyeballs you can get. I mean, there's not very many of those out there, but you can make it work if you've got the right combination of factors uh, in most places. And Nebraska, you know, I mean, Polini won a lot of games here. Um, and so if that, you know, if that's the standard of making it work, then yeah, you can get back to that probably. Um, but if you're talking about going beyond that, I mean, you just, you're not talking about very many schools in the country where 10 plus every single year uh, is a realistic expectation. So it, the formula is a little different everywhere. It's a little different here than it is in Madison or Minneapolis. Um, but I, I've got to believe that there is a formula out there that can work. Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal star. Parker, uh, close game, couple of touchdown difference. Uh, what's your what's your gut say here before kickoff? Yeah, I, I lean toward couple touchdown difference. I mean, I, I, I think you know, there's not. I've said this this week. I mean, there's really not a ton of room for you know the, the moral victory conversation at this point uh, in the season. But I, I, the thing about Ohio State is. It just, they've got an ability to take a competitive game and make it look non-competitive on the scoreboard really quickly. Uh, they just, you know, they can punch the accelerator and put points on the board in a way that not a lot of schools in the country can. So, you know, maybe Nebraska, I mean, it's possible that Nebraska's defense can stave that off um, for an entire game. But I just, I tend to think it ends up, you know, somewhere in the two to three touchdown range. And I, I don't even necessarily think that means that Nebraska... Um, you know, it feels like Nebraska got blown out at the end of it, but I think I picked it 41 to, to 20. It just feels like one of those one of those days. But you know, stranger things have happened. Could be Parker. We'll see you tomorrow in the press box. Thanks for the time, man. Yeah, you bet. Have a good Friday. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out at Tail Varsity Radio Roadshow Friday, presented by the Nebraska Lottery here at the Single Barrel inside the Graduate. There are a lot of tables that are soon to fill up with Husker fans and Buckeyes, and uh, the legend of Single Barrel steaks and pork chops have made it all the way to Columbus. 250 whiskeys. Someday, Jeff Mall and I may may try all of them. My friend, uh, Lincoln Convention yep. and Visitors Bureau, Jeff Mall with us. Jeff, thanks for coming down. It is a madhouse down here when it comes to state volleyball, all the events going on, and, oh, yeah, number five's in town. Right, right. You know, I had a chance. I was walking over here. I was over at state volleyball um, doing my job, welcoming people, ran into so many Buckeye fans coming over, and this was the guy in the Lincoln-branded polo, right, saying, welcome to Lincoln. And every one of them said, we love Lincoln more than any other Big Ten city. You're so welcoming, and you're so happy, and you're happy as a fan base. And I said, Go Big Red. Who are you, who are you running into? <laughs> Just uh, doing my job being Mr. Lincoln, and I don't even have to wear a hot dog suit to do these kind of things. And that's that's awesome, and, and Jeff Mall's with us, and I tell you what, you, you look at the Ohio State fans and just what Lincoln brings, Jeff, and you can speak to this, it's not just Ohio State fans. This is a destination spot for the rest of the league. It is, and it's it's like, you know, you look in the rail yard, you look in the Haymarket, across P Street, into South Lincoln. Everybody's so welcoming, and it's so part of our return from the pandemic. When everything was shut down, we're still coming back. We're still coming out of this, and we want everybody to be a fan. So if you're listening out there, you have nothing going on on a Friday night or a Saturday.
Saturday or Sunday, there's so many great things going on just to get out and live your life. And uh, it's just so nice to be with people again and be doing what we do. Jeff Malls uh, here on site, and he is incredible luck. Last time he was here, Nebraska won a home game. We're just going to leave that and sit with it right there. Uh, you have events going on. Let's focus a little bit here on state volleyball going on at PBA, and you're down there making sure uh, things are rocking and rolling. And there's so many events Lincoln gets to host when it comes to state. I think of basketball. Uh, of course, I think of uh, what's going on with football here in a few weeks with uh, all of the, the different classes. It'll be at Memorial Stadium. But volleyball, I mean, this is an all-star convention of, of D1 talent. Uh, hitting the nets here in downtown Lincoln. It is. I don't think people realize how many D1 players we have in, in multiple classes going on at State uh, Volleyball this year. New format this year. We started everything on Wednesday. It runs mm-hmm. through Saturday. This was a pandemic-created format that worked mm-hmm. last year. We're going to adjust things for basketball in March, and State High School football will wrap things up as we get through the end of November. And just the excitement and the pageantry. And, you know, there's there's some truth to if you're the last person out of the community, turn the lights off or mm-hmm. don't forget the keys because small town Nebraska loves their Lincoln, Nebraska. We're an extension of small town Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can get that up in Omaha, and I can think I can say that pretty safely. Yes, you can. We're an extension of hometown Nebraska. Yes, absolutely, and folks love uh, the, the, the the restaurants being out. Uh, you've ordered the weather. Oh, my gosh. For this weekend. Chamber weather. You know, Wendy Birdsall retires <laughs> at the end of the year, and she promised me, Every state tournament until she retires, 65 or better. Done. Mark it down. Just just put it in. Yeah. We're going to prick our finger and just sign <laughs> right there that it's 65 degrees in November. But, uh, Jeff, when it comes to being able to, to host events like this, land events, and keep mm-hmm. state tournament action in the capital city, that's, that's an ongoing process, and you and your team done an amazing job. Chris, I appreciate it. I appreciate the support of our media partners um, at Alpha and yourself. You know, you're a big fan of Lincoln. We're a big fan of Lincoln, and it's all part of the Lincoln experience. And, uh, you know, I can still ba- remember back to my darkest day when state volleyball took a trip down the road to Grand Island for a few years. And most people can say where they were when Elvis died. Mm-hmm. I can tell you where I was when state high school volleyball sure. left. It means this much to me. It means this much to my family and the family right here in Lincoln that we continue to, to really put forth the best effort to host these events. Jeff Malls with us. Jeff, uh, real quick, things that folks can find on, on your website, things that folks can, can check into with you on the social channels. Uh, obviously, they're hearing you talking, mm-hmm. and we're getting folks updated, but uh, what, what are some of the things folks can, can find if they're making maybe their, their first trip in a while to Lincoln for either football or state volleyball or if they're planning a future roadie here for, uh, for state football? Yeah, you know, people like to call us Lincoln's unofficial party planners, and it's because <laughs> we have so much on our website from, you know, arts and humanities to, you know, sports to family-centered fun to arts and theater to concerts. Everything's on our website. It's a one-stop shop. So Lincoln.org, all the social channels, Instagram and Twitter, Facebook. um, We try to keep everything as live and fresh as we can uh, to make sure everybody knows what's going on. And it's really not just people on the outside coming in. It's Lincolnites looking for something a little bit different to do. So if you're out there and you don't see your event on our website, it's pretty easy to submit uh, events to our website. And uh, like I said, we like to be the unofficial party planner for the city of Lincoln. You know, and and those party plans have been great with... But folks coming in and obviously Lincolnites themselves spending money, uh, breaking through and away from the from the pandemic yes. and responding the right way financially and just living life and spending money and keeping money uh, in town, which is incredible. 
Yeah, you know, we started it back during the pandemic, you know, when our hotels were suffering so much and people were complaining about being pent up in their homes during the pandemic. And we started the get a room campaign. Yes. Remember that comment? Hey, you two get a room. You had that come your way a few times. I, I did. It was wonderful. I, I, I said hi to, to the lovely wives. Like, hey, you want to go get a room? Right, and right. It was, it was See, a it great works. idea. Yeah. And so we started that during the pandemic. And it's, you know, never something you should put out of your mind that you can't be a tourist in your own hometown and have some fun with things. So, you know, continue to be a fan out there. Embrace the community. Help our merchants. And again, be a, just being a fan. I mean, you don't have to have stake in the game. Just get out and have some fun and, and support our community because it is all about sales tax and lodging tax in my world. But it's about the emotional impact that it has just to get a night away from the grind. Sure. That's what we do on Friday nights. We get out and have fun. You uh, unbutton the top collar and, and relax and, and do that. And we're here with Jeff Mall here at the Single Barrel Roadshow Friday with Hale Varsity Radio. And uh, inside the graduate, Jeff, a uh, couple minutes left. And going to turn our attention here to, uh, you mentioned the fandom. You grew up uh, loving Nebraska football. You've got your eyes focused on the Big Red. Hey, you've seen Nebraska play up. They've played well in those helmet games this year. Yeah. And you know the buzz with Ohio State, uh, an 11 o'clock big Fox noon kickoff for those East Coasters, but an 11 a.m. start tomorrow, and what an opportunity. I think they're going to play well. I don't know if they're going to get it done, but I think they're going to play well tomorrow. This team's not been scared Mm -mm. against some of the big dogs. No, they haven't, and I think that's the, the games that we've played the best is against the big dogs. I think we really know how to get up for them. I don't know if it's the coaching or the players, but, you know, I'm fully confident tomorrow is going to be a good day and I want them to play four quarters of football because the economy needs four quarters of football yes. and, and the reason I say that talk to a consultant this week he said Jeff how is Husker football how is that affecting the economy when things are way down and I said that's an easy answer the stadium's empty in the fourth quarter people aren't coming in and staying on a Friday and Saturday night because when I grew up and even when I started 19 years ago it was an automatic two-night stay for fans sure. coming to Lincoln because they partied on a Friday night went to the game partied after the game, win or lose, mm-hmm. and then went home. You saw what happened last week in the fourth quarter. There was not a peep to be heard about anything going on as far as merchants in the downtown area. So I want a good game tomorrow. I pray for good games. I pray for the student-athletes and, and our city that we're able just to kind of extend the fun uh, into the weekend. And we've been here, and it wasn't that long ago, and mm-hmm. it was a night game. But think about uh, that experience you had taking down Sparty. Oh. Playoff team, 2015 night game. I was lucky enough to be working for uh, for Gino Toretta. He was doing the game on national okay. radio. Yep, yep, you bet. And, man, this place was on fire, taking yeah. down a college football playoff team. We'll see uh, where Nebraska goes. Some of your emails coming up. Jeff Mall, Lincoln Convention and Visitors Bureau. Thanks for coming by. Always a pleasure. Appreciate the support of tourism uh, from the station. Well, thanks for what you do for the capital city, yeah, man. Thanks, Really Chris. appreciate it. More with uh, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, the Single Barrel Roadshow Friday with Hale Varsity. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hail Varsity Radio Roadshow Friday at the Single Barrel. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We're here tomorrow morning, 7 to 9, weekend edition of Hail Varsity at the Single Barrel. Real Red, Reac- Re- Real Red Reaction. Spit that one out. Real Red Reaction uh, following Nebraska-Ohio State. Myself, Tim Bob Kitzmiller, Connor Clark. Elijah has got the weekend pass, baby. You are going uh, 
full Monty with uh, your your last hurrah in college and uh, Nebraska, Ohio State. You are going to will this team to good vibes, I think, right? That's that's your goal tomorrow? Well, yeah, I, I got to enjoy my day tomorrow because Sunday I have a full day uh, up doing PA work for Lincoln Youth Football. Their championships are Sunday at Seacrest oh, Field. Yeah, so I got the day awesome. off tomorrow, enjoying myself, going to watch – if you're watching on the uh, the ESPN Live Facebook stream, you can see the fingers crossed. A Huskers win, fingers crossed, because uh, yep. it's a lot more fun to talk about a Husker win. Fingers crossed we'll watch that, and then we'll go watch some awesome uh, championship uh, action on Sunday at Seacrest Field. Win or cover. The pride of Fairbury, <laughs> Bill Dolman on the way. Uh, big thanks to Jeff Mallman. He stepped away from state volleyball, and there's so many Nebraskans in town. And what he was saying about uh, the love of Big Red Country is very true uh, with other other fan bases. And part of that love is how they're treated. The restaurants and beer and fun you have making a road show or a road trip. But the other part is they've been winning here. <laughs> so that needs to, 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 to change. Uh, Shane and Julie email in. Uh, they want to get our thoughts on, you know, what to, to do. Uh, when it comes to possessions uh, against Ohio State. Uh, man, our defense has been tired, and they could use some help. Our defense is ranked eighth in conference. There's his seventh. Don't know maybe to do thunder and lightning with Ramirez and Yant. If Adrian starts and gets hurt, then bring Smothers in, whose uh, running game is a strength. Uh, thanks for the shows you do. It's been difficult times. Uh, another follow-up here. They really enjoyed uh, emails yesterday. We had a, we had a slew of emails and uh, they're saying this team, uh, they're sticking with this team through good or bad. Uh, and I'm not going to pick another team and forget about NU. Uh, they remember as a kid getting fired up after games. And uh, they do hope that Trev sits with Frost and they can evaluate the type of offense that should, uh, that should be at Nebraska, strive to be at Nebraska. And uh, you know what? Uh, we've kind of touched on this too. Uh, Shane and Julie are like, look, we're too relying on quarterback play. And uh, it's important to, to find that happy medium. Uh, and when they're, they're also wondering about, you know, the quarterback coaching position with Mario, you know, where's the development been? So uh, appreciate your email. Our friends in Columbus hearing us on News Talk 900. But uh, more, we've had so many emails this week. We've tried to get to all of them. Thank you much. And keep sending them in. Chris at HaleVarsity.com can also tweet in to the show at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And the phone line's uh, for you as well, 466-3776 or 800-825-5865. Been pretty slammed this first hour. Bill Dolman is coming up in 10 minutes. Uh, we'll spend some time with Jacob Padilla from Ale Varsity, get his take on Husker Volleyball. And also a thought uh, with, uh, with Jacob, did a really good column on the Frost-Adrian dynamic. Clausburn is back. The Friday forecast is very real. Uh, we invite you down here. T-shirts, koozies, 250 whiskeys, big old thick steaks. Come see us here at the Single Barrel. Hour 2 next with Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmidt underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt. 
Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery Roadshow Friday. We are here at the Single Barrel inside the Graduate Friday Roadshow. Home Football Fridays love being here at the Single Barrel. Incredible whiskey selection, fantastic steaks and chops and appetizers and everything. And uh, this is part one of two for us because we're here tomorrow morning. Little kegs and eggs love for you. Their breakfast buffets uh, is incredible. So we are uh, loading up here tomorrow, 7 to 9, tomorrow morning for the weekend edition. And then we're going to get after it with Real Red Reaction immediately following Nebraska, Ohio State. Some some more emails to get to, some more thoughts from you. Can dial up 466-3776 or 800-825. 5865. Big thanks to Parker Gabriel and Jeff Mall, Lincoln Convention and Visitors Bureau for being with us. With us. It's uh, been an incredible weekend start with uh, state volleyball going on and Ohio State rolls to town. We welcome in the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Bill Dolman is with us. Billy D, uh, another, uh, another weekend, another home game, another primetime setup for Nebraska. And here is Ohio State. Have you got the live chicken and more rum for Joe Boo to break this hex? How are you? Well, I'm doing well. I'm not sure that uh, there's a whole lot that anybody can do uh, that's going to, you know, break the the, uh, the superstitions that you know uh, for Ohio State to think that it's going to beat Nebraska tomorrow. Uh, I'm not inclined to help out in any way, but if people are looking for things uh, to sacrifice, not step on or under, uh, then 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 so be it. But uh, I'm looking for just another great performance from the Oscars. Okay, you have seen and found great performances for Nebraska, which is nice. Uh, interested to get your thoughts here on on this conversation shift, and we've been doing Fridays together for a while. And it's, it's gone a lot of different routes. It's gone from angst and frustration and, you know, doubt to, hey, they're close, to what was that, to, I mean, you've seen all sorts of twists and turns. What's your read right now on, on Ted Carter? Uh, get your Magic 8 ball or crystal ball out. Read the mind of Trev Alberts. And let's talk Scott Frost and job future because that's, been very very prominent i will say that from a body language standpoint you know coach frost with his post game last saturday and even monday's presser and and yesterday i mean scott doesn't act or seem nervous it doesn't seem shaky at all doesn't it's a far cry from kind of the pressure he felt and looked like he was wearing going into illinois to be honest with you What's your read on this? I mean, Elijah has made a good point about saying, look, if they go three and nine, then you got to really think about a change. I say, I mean, three and nine's no good. But I think if, if they, they get two out of three, I think he needs to be back. I think if they play well tomorrow, you need, you need to make a statement to, uh, to, to bring him back so they can go get on the road and recruit. What's your read knowing and going through this as long and as much as you have? Well, I thought we were really going to take a twist and turn and start talking about the, the new biathlon season, which begins at the end of the month on the networks of NBC Sports. We will. Which I am thoroughly honored to call and am looking forward to uh, the Olympics in uh, February. So there's a little announcement for you there. Um, you know, I, 
Should should Ted Carter have said anything? Probably not. Do I trust Ted Carter a hell of a lot more than some of the other Poindexters that have been in uh, those chairs over the last, uh, and Ronnie Green, uh, that have been in those chairs over the last 20-some years? Absolutely. Um, if, the, if the president of my university can dot the I on the name Bill flying a fighter jet at Mach 10, I'm all for him, okay? Um, but I, you know, do I wish they would have talked? No, I wish they had not. He had not said something. I hope Ronnie Green doesn't say anything. I hope they just let this season play out. Because look, Nebraska. This this is one of the amazing things. People talk about the irrelevancy of Nebraska by continually talking the irrelevancy by continuing to talk about the irrelevancy of Nebraska, which means Nebraska is incredibly relevant to college football. Who the head football coaches at Nebraska has meant something forever, and it continues to mean something because people continue to talk about Scott Frost. You know, P.J. Fleck just got a seven-year contract extension for whatever reason, and it's, it's a headline today, and, and nobody's going to care. You know, uh, I, th- I think, look, I-, I don't like to see coaching changes unless you just have some absolute egregious uh, issues that you have to deal with. Um, or you're a college basketball coach at a blue blood institution and the NCAA doesn't really care what you've done. Uh, consider that nobody is getting in trouble at all except for apparently Oklahoma State now. So I digress in that too. I just, I don't think very many coaches in the country this season, let's put it this way you give Nebraska's schedule to everybody else and let's see how well they do. Now, you might have Alabama going eight and three, nine and two, something like that, because they're really good. Georgia's really good. But if you take the teams in the college football playoff rankings, and I was looking at this before we went on the air, and I and I'm thinking that outside of Georgia and Alabama, I'm not sure you're looking at any team in the top fifteen though it has more than six or seven wins with the schedule Nebraska has faced this year. All right, Nebraska's had some bad luck. They've done some bad things. I'm not going to say everything is bad luck. But, look, that's, that has been maybe the most brutal schedule I've seen in 50 years of watching Nebraska football for anybody. So to think that Scott Frost should be 6-3, and 7-2, and 8-1 uh, uh, at this point in the season – I think that's asking a hell of a lot because I don't think anybody else would tackle the schedule much better. Bill Dolman is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Bill, I agree it's a difficult schedule. However, uh, Nebraska right now, uh, if they were to lose the final three games of the season, would be on track for a 3-9 and nine record. Nebraska has not lost nine games since 1957, and that was the only other time in their history they've ever lost nine games in a season. So you don't think that's a, an egregious problem? You said it would take an egregious problem uh, to let go of a coach. Is that not an egregious problem, your first nine-loss season since 1957, which to date – is the only nine-loss season in Husker football history. Look, I, I get it. It, 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 it. It's it's probably not going to look very good when all is said and done. And Trev might make a change. Uh, thank God Harvey Perlman and Sean Eichhorst aren't in charge of this. But Trev might make a change. <laughs> he, he, he could, right? That's, that's not your call. It's not my call. 
It's not the call of everybody and every fan board and Facebook page and all that. That's not our call. Everybody's got an opinion on it. I just don't like to see it. You know, uh, I, I, I don't like to see coaching changes unless there's just something. Ed Orgeron, it's time to go, all right? And you're posting pictures or your girlfriend's posting pictures of the two of you. Okay, it, clearly things are not, you know, where they need to be down there. So there's a change being made. But I, I just, I think when I, at this schedule where, where Scott, where this program was when Scott took over, the talent is better. The talent is still pretty young even though Adrian Martinez has been around and has tenure. Um, but I think for the most part, it's still a fairly young team, and they've had a brutal schedule. I don't like seeing the results that we see. I don't like seeing the stupid mistakes, the, the inability to quarterback sneak on fourth and an inch. I hate that. All of the interceptions and the turnovers and the, some of the boneheaded plays. But, you know, I, I, I just don't think that – I don't see the totality of the program as being a colossal failure at this point. Are the wins and losses where we want them to be? No. But I, I, I tend to look at it as things are going in a positive, albeit slow, direction. They're better against the big-time teams. They play down to teams that they should beat. They're favored over. They're more talented than when you look at things on paper but the the reality is this whether scott's back or not either the next guy or scott need to deep to be different bill do you agree with this that you need to have less of an ask from your quarterback next year and it's got to be a new quarterback next year you need to switch your your philosophy to 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 be able to go to something as a base that will you move and success on offense versus this Oregon system. I love the skill guys, but your O-line's just, just not getting it done. Do you think that the changes on the the, the, the staff from the offensive side, side of things uh, are, are necessary? And is Scott going to listen? Is Scott going to sit in Trev's office? And if Trev's saying, brother, we can't be so quarterback dependent because you, you really aren't going to have two quarterbacks uh, a lot of the time on a roster, you'll have someone as a starter and then the other one will probably transfer because that's the climate today. So you need to make changes. You need to make changes offensively and you need to be better with ball control and not worry about being so sexy and flashy. Uh, Scott, if he wants to keep his job, I think needs to make changes. Will he listen? Is he okay to admit now, I don't know it all, I've got to really adapt to the Big Ten because I think that's that's part of this conversation moving forward. I would I would bet that there was going to be a a very uh, strong suggestion that perhaps some personnel changes within the group uh, are necessary. You know, Scott made you know the one after last year with uh, with the special teams guy, right? Um, but, but, you know, it, it might be a deal where he's got to take a long, hard look. And, and part of the maturation process of any head coach is, do you make change when you need to make changes? Is it time for everybody to grow up and say, yeah, it's been fun for all of us to be together. And I love you all. But look for, you know, what's best for this state. As Scott has said so many times, he wants this for his players. He wants this for the state. Well, the state gets it, you know, for the most part. Um 
And I would imagine that there's probably going to be uh, a pretty heavy conversation at the end of all this to say, look, you got to bring in some new life on that on your coaching staff. I know you're very tight with some of these people. They've been with you for a long time. But sometimes change is good for everybody, and it's time to move on and bring somebody else in who may understand the uh, you know what it takes to, to win in the Big Ten, to play a certain brand of football. And I'm not talking about offensive schemes. I'm talking about just a brand of just flat-out physical, tough, you know, and communicating uh, winning football. Um, you know, I think we all can figure out where some changes might best need to be made. And it can be very good. I can remember, you know, being a student assistant in the sports information office and seeing a uh, public relations release, uh, you know, being sent out and things coming in about this guy, you know, Ron Brown. Uh, why are we hiring a, a defensive backs coach from, from Brown? Well, okay. Well, it turned out to be pretty good, you know, for the entire state in many different ways, if you ask me. You know, who's this Kevin Steele kid that's coming in from the southeast? You know, that was a pretty good coaching change. You know, so, so we may not know all of the, uh, the bright young coaches there are on staffs around the country, but if you bring in some of the right people at the right time, it can mesh and it can work and it work out and it can work out for a long, long time. But I think that's the direction that this is headed. I think Scott's going to get another year, unless the next three weeks go just tragically awful. And I don't mean tragic in a uh, in a serious sense, but you know if they get blown out by Ohio State, if they get blown out by Wisconsin, and if it's just an embarrassing loss to Iowa, I, I could see where they say, "Look, this is just a horrific ending." But if it's if things go the way they've gone this season, and maybe they pull up a couple of wins, then I think the conversation is, "All right, Scott, it's time to grow up." time to say goodbye and say hello and that's the way this is going to be bill i the, you know to, to go we got just two minutes left so we'll get your prediction too but i'm going to throw a name out there that he's not been in the big 10 but he's coached big time football and he's been out for the last couple of years because he stepped away chris peterson is he the the most gettable name out there you'll hear fickle you'll he'll you'll hear o'brien you'll hear freeze and and i mean yeah you can wish but i just don't know that nebraska is is appealing uh as as it once was because especially now you're going with the trifecta here you've whacked two 10 win guys and now you may send the 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 prodigal son out the door as well i disagree i i think i think any coach out there is going to go look at that massive building that they're putting together on campus right next door to the football stadium Look at the money that that state has. That The job is incredibly appealing. Anybody's, oh, who's going to come to Nebraska? You know, anybody who, who, anybody who can coach and believes they can coach and is a winner is going to go after that lesson. job. You know, <laughs> it's crazy to think that Nebraska can't attract somebody, that they're going to end up with, uh, you know, like UNLV gets Tony Sanchez from Bishop Gorman and pays him $125,000. It's just not going to happen. Nebraska is still Nebraska. They've got the facilities. They've got the fan base in place. People care, right? So uh, to say that, oh, there's just nobody's going to take the job is just ludicrous. Now, do I think Chris Peterson is the guy, uh, would, be, would be a guy? Tell me what Boise State coach has done well after leaving Boise State. Just him. Well, he didn't have a great tenure at Washington. It was okay. The playoffs. But it wasn't great. Well, once, you know, and he lasted five years. 
Maybe there was more pressure Bill. at UW than a Boise, you know? Yeah. But, Bill, we got to get a score know, from you, brother. Well, I, I don't, I'm looking back, and I don't know if Ohio State's ever beat Nebraska, so I don't see why that would change now. So I'm going to take Nebraska in. I can't even – I don't even think it's going to be close. Uh, Nebraska 10-6. Nebraska by four. I love it. Bill, we'll, we'll keep this going next week. Thanks for the time, bud. All right. Uh, go Big Red. Go Biathlon. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you. It's Nebraska, Ohio State here at the Single Barrel. And Elijah back at our ESPN studios. We welcome in with Hale Varsity, Jacob Padilla. At Jacob Padilla underscore. Can find him with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. His podcast, couple of different podcasts now. Jacob, uh, pretty big weekend for the Big Red. How have you uh, kind of interpreted the process this week here with the job security discussion? <laughs> yeah, um, it's kind of an awkward place to be in, but they – I think uh, the players are going to go out and fight. I think they've put in the work like normal this week. Um, if nothing else, uh, <laughs> there are a lot of upperclassmen on this team, a lot of seniors, a lot of guys that came back um, that ha- have their own pride, that are trying to um, play their way into professional careers. So they've got a lot to play for, no matter what Nebraska's record is at this point and what the future may hold. So. Um, Obviously, it's not uh, not ideal <laughs> the situation they're in, but uh, and this is a really tough opponent coming to town. But um, hopefully, that they're able to have a good week of uh, practice and um, are as well prepared as they could be. Jacob, what's your take on on the Big Red with uh, their uh, their elevator play? Meaning, they've done a wonderful job of playing up for the Michigans, for the Michigan States. Those big games, man, they've showed up in. They just haven't found a way to won, uh, found a way to win uh, Norman, Oklahoma. And then you have the, the three, and nothing against Minnesota or Purdue, both probably bowl teams, but Illinois still stings for sure. What, what As you've coached and, and covered teams, can you put your finger on as to why a team will play up and play down like Nebraska has this season to their opponents? Yeah, that. That is kind of one of the weird things in sports that I've never quite understood. Obviously, in any given game, one team um, could have a better day than the other. Um, that's just kind of the nature of sports. Otherwise, we wouldn't need to play the games. But uh, for it to happen so consistently with this team, I, <laughs> I don't know what the deal is. Um, they talk about not having the juice or not being fired up and John Beckton talked about uh, giving the little extra effort and uh, being totally focused in and that being an issue um, kind of team-wide at this point. Um, I, I don't know why it has happened so consistently and they haven't found a way to address it yet. Um, I think that points to the overall record and where we are when it comes to discussing the future of the program uh, and the coaching staff, but um I guess at this point you just got to hope that that part of the trend continues this week and that they're able to kind of jump up and play their best football this week. Yeah, Jacob, they're going to have to play their best football because well, even though Michigan State is ranked higher than Ohio State in the uh, college football playoff rankings, I, I think based on eye test we can see this Ohio State team is probably the best team that Nebraska is going to be playing all season. So with that in mind, what is a positive result for this Husker team tomorrow against Ohio State? Do they really need a win to be able to silence that, that talk around Scott Frost? <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point I don't know 
uh, how much hanging tight does for them, except for potentially building towards um, success in the last two games. Um, if, if they feel um, that hasn't necessarily played out in the past, though, we saw what happened coming off of the Michigan game. Uh, so that doesn't mean uh, we, we haven't really seen it carry forward before, but I guess that's kind of what you have to hope for. Like, obviously, a win would be uh, the outcome that you're looking for, but anything short of that, I mean, even if you're competitive into the fourth quarter and or lose at the end or whatever it may be that we've seen happen uh, basically in every every big game so far this season, I don't know what that does for you. So it's hard to see, to see a positive outcome from this short of a win. Um, but there are definitely degrees to the negative outcomes. If they get run off the floor, then you start wondering about, oh, um, where is this program? Or are these guys still fighting hard? That guy said, I, I thought they will. Um, all those questions start if they just simply get outclassed and run off the, the field early. But um, also, again, like I don't, if they lose by one score, they lose by 10 points um, late in the game. I don't know that everybody's going to come away from it feeling good. Uh, that makes any sense. Jacob, you touched on the, the what-ifs in your column this week with your padding the stats, and, and you took a look at, at Adrian, and you made some, some great points about Adrian where he's played well enough to, to get a, a ton of victories and didn't get a lot of help, uh, be it when it comes to the, the offensive line or guys making plays. Or, and I'm with you. I think the defense has got a ton of mileage on them, and they're still – given it their everything, but they've exerted the, just a boatload of energy, man. Uh, I mean, they've had to carry a lot of heavy lifting this year. So what do you make of the Martinez factor and, and, and his relationship with Frost as far as not going to the bullpen? I, I truly believe that he's the best option to win, but if you're off everywhere else, every other position, pick a sport, uh, sometimes you get to go watch a series or two, and that, that still doesn't happen here with Nebraska and how they, they handle Adrian. Yeah, I kind of fleshed out a lot of my thoughts and my call on this past week. So uh, Listeners can go check out my padding stats on Wednesday on HillHarps.com. But it, it, it just feels like, um, like you said, I, I think it's clear that with what Adrian's capable of doing, it's clear that he is the best. Uh, is their best player at quarterback. But it also hasn't produced wins, um, certainly close to the level that they would have um, liked. So it's it's just kind of – he's kind of stuck here because he hasn't been able to build up a good enough team around Adrian to where Adrian's flaws um, and where he struggles uh, don't cost you games. I feel like if Adrian had gone somewhere else, whether – it's the development in another program or um, just kind of the pieces around him. I wonder um, what his career might have looked like. Uh, but it just hasn't quite clicked for whatever reason through four years here in Nebraska. And um, and Martin, uh, Frost obviously hasn't found somebody else that he's felt would give them a better chance to win. The, the kind of going to the bullpen thing, um, I – Again, I, I'm not one that thinks like, oh, Mar- Martinez is the problem and um, the best path forward is to bench him and try somebody else. Um, I think that's pretty clearly not the case because so much of what they've done this year and where they have had success is based around Martinez. Um, and he just, like you said, there are times where he hasn't gotten 
uh, enough help where he's played well enough to win the game. And whether the defense broke down at the end or um, some of the offensive line didn't give him a chance or whatever the case may be, um, his play hasn't just or, uh, the, the result hasn't been uh, there based on how well he played. And then there are other games where he legitimately has uh, been as big a problem as anything else. And um, that's where you get this record to, to where it is, where um, they just can't get enough pieces clicking consistently. I, I wonder, like, at a certain point, uh, from the accountability standpoint, from uh, trying to reset things, maybe that's a case where you do sit him down for um, for a series and give Logan Smothers a chance and just see what happens. I mean, the worst he could have done is turn the ball over, which Marquis, after the third interception, he went out and did it again. I mean, it, it wasn't necessarily his fault totally on that. Um, it was a great defensive play, knocking the ball out of Austin Allen's hands, but it, it was still a turnover, so... You just wonder uh, if the worst that could have happened was a turnover, you wouldn't have lost anything. And at least there, there's a level of unknown. And then maybe um, you can figure something out with Adrian on the sideline and then send him back out there. Or if by some sure good luck, uh, Smothers was able to do something, maybe he found something. So um, I, I feel like the, the sticking with Martinez no matter what, I don't know if that's a great process. Just, I mean, the discussion about the, the different standards help, uh, players are held to, um, it, that, that's not great for overall buy-in from top to bottom on, on your roster and um, doesn't, doesn't look great to those on the outside either. So it's just a really complicated situation where it's the result of the, this program just isn't where it needed to be in year four. And um, Martinez is part of that, but he's also held back by part of that as well. And I feel like, again, in, in a different scenario, Martinez could have had a much better career, whether that's getting a little bit more help at Nebraska or had he gone somewhere else. And then I wonder what Nebraska would have looked like had, had they gone a different route at quarterback uh, over the last four years. Jacob Bedill is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Jacob, let's shift gears here and go basketball. As uh, We haven't talked to you since Nebraska took down Colorado in that uh, Halloween Day exhibition. Uh, but, Jacob, just big picture here on the basketball team. What do you think we learned from those exhibitions? There's a lot of question marks uh, surrounding this team, a lot of unknown talent uh, in Fred Hoiberg's third year here. But what do you think we learned from these exhibition games? I think the, the number one thing that we, we learned is probably kind of where he's starting with um, regarding the rotation, kind of we saw a, na- a nine-man look. Um, obviously, Kobe Webster wasn't uh, wasn't healthy for the Colorado game, and he probably would have played in that game considering the, the, the foul trouble to um, the starting guards. But um, I think it's probably nine-man rotation with uh, a lot of newcomers. Obviously, Alonzo Verge as a starter there, Bryce McGowan as a starter, and then uh, C.J. Wilcher, Casey Tomonaga, and Wilhelm Breidenbach coming off the bench uh, along with Keon Edwards. Um, so that's probably the nine, the, the, kind of the top nine you're looking at. And then Eduardo Andre and Kobe Webster, two guys who kind of played a big part uh, on the team down the stretch of last season. Uh, I, I think both those guys will um, probably be more situational pieces where foul trouble or an injury or maybe someone's in a slump and you need Webster to come in and knock down some shots, something like that. Um, I think that's probably kind of what we're looking at so uh, heading into the season, and we'll see how it develops. But that was the number one thing I focused in on. And then I, I think Lonzo Verge um, was the other thing. And the way he played 
in those two games. I think if he kind of continues to make a lot of the same decisions that he did, if he shares the ball the way he did, shows the ability to kind of break defenses down that Nebraska didn't really have last year, he's got a chance to really kind of stabilize this team and put everybody uh, in, in their right spots and really help this team take a jump forward. Um, it's going to be come down to decision-making with him. Does he continue to take the right shots? Does he look for his teammates? That wasn't always the case during his two years at Arizona State, but I feel like this team probably uh, is a better environment for him to play that way, uh, just based on the, the, the roster makeup and the players around him in terms of he's got shooters out there, he's got a big man um, that he's got good chemistry with already and Derek Walker that you know, set screens and roll hard. Um, and, and then he's got a couple secondary ball handlers that don't necessarily need to dominate the ball as much as a lot of the guys he played with at Arizona State. So um, I, I think those are probably the, the two main takeaways, just the, the roster and kind of the way that Verge uh, looks be sitting at least early on. Jacob, we'll talk to you next week, bud. Thanks for a few minutes today. All right, sounds good. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Great to have you back. Hale Varsity Radio Road Show Friday here at the Single Barrel. We're here tomorrow morning as well for the weekend edition, 7 to 9 ahead of Nebraska, Ohio State. Real Red Reaction follows 3 to 5-ish. When we get done with uh, Nebraska, Ohio State, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And uh, it is that time of day where we dive in and get you ready for your picks. Sure to go wrong for some of us. Uh, the Friday forecast is back. I, I will say this publicly and admit I said yes to the New York Jets yeah. last night. And I owe Elijah a steak and a beer, which means I got to take and treat him here at the single barrel. For a big old thick juicy steak, and we may upgrade that beer to one of the 250 whiskeys you get to choose from here at the Single Barrel. So uh, busy time down here, uh, folks here enjoying and dining. Ohio State, Nebraska fans breaking bread together, which is cool, and uh, it's just uh, bustling because of state volleyball down at PBA. Uh, let's welcome in our dear friend. He's mysterious. He's imaginary. He wears red. We say hi to Claus Byrne ahead of Nebraska-Ohio State Week. Claus, we missed you last week. You're doing okay. What's up? Well, everything is fine. I was working hard in the lab to see how long it would take us uh, to get to the 375-game streak for one score losses. And uh, let's just suffice it to say, you'll be a great granddad by then. But hopefully it doesn't come to that. Well, that's funny. You went... You went, you went there. You went sellout streak to consecutive one-score losses streak. Let's get into the forecast and uh, start us off here, Elijah. What do you think here? Sparty is unbeaten. Sparty beat their rival in Michigan. Mel Tucker's been magical. And Mel Tucker and his uh, Spartans are favored. Minus three at Purdue. It's an ABC game. It's 2.30. And I think the Purdue fan base is going to be as juiced and as jacked as they were uh, post-Iowa when they had a full house. So it won't be your normal Boilermaker atmosphere. What do you think here? You land the three, you're taking the three. Who wins in West Lafayette tomorrow? 
Well, this uh, this Purdue team has been known for uh, for getting people. It's what they kind of do. And after Michigan State had a hard-fought win against Michigan last week, uh, they definitely left uh, a lot out on the line. Kenneth Walker had an incredible game. I think they're due for a letdown, and if anyone's going to get them, I think it could be this Purdue team. They're not a joke this year. As Nebraska fans saw last week, their defense really is not a joke either. Uh, so I'm actually going to take Purdue outright in this game in a thriller. 27-24, to Purdue gets an upset win over Michigan State, allowing Ohio State to jump back up into the college football playoff. You know, I am not against every point you made, and and I think I think Sparty's just better, and I think Michigan State can hold on to the football and just kind of wear down the Purdue defense and just run at them, right? A la Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin, I think Michigan State's physical enough to do that. So give me give me a push, give me a Michigan State win on the road, thirty to twenty seven. Um, is where I'm going to go. I think they find a way to get it done, and I think it's the offensive line and Walker in ball control that get it done. Claus, what do you think here? Do you got a feel, Purdue or Sparty? Well, listen, I, I know you fellas like to take the show on the road on a Friday, but I didn't realize that you took it all the way to Colorado, if you know what I mean. <laughs> listen, Purdue is a really good school, a lot of smart engineers, people who figure out things. In fact, they have an alumnus who wants to design a more safe race car, and then drove that race car in a bad wreck and saved his own life. These are smart people, and even they can't figure out why Michigan State is only favored by three. I'll take Sparty in this one, 28, and Purdue 17. Sparty the win and the monster cover. We head down to Psychoville, where Finkel's the mayor. In Texas A&M, minus four and a half. Auburn on the road. Auburn's playing good ball. They bounced back. And uh, A&M's not been great at home. When I think of the miss, the, uh, the the loss uh, to Washington, uh, excuse me, Mississippi State, <laughs> wrong team, right coach. Uh, but I do think A&M's found themselves after their win uh, against Alabama. Uh, this one's going to be tight. I think it's a it's a three point ball game, and give A&M the win. But I think Auburn covers 38-35. Uh, Elijah, what do you say? Yeah, I'm with you 100% on this one. Uh, this is a very good Auburn team. They've been uh, resurgent in recent weeks. I was impressed with their win over Ole Miss a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but uh, I am with you that Auburn covers this one. It's going to be a close, hard-fought game. Give me Texas A&M 31 and Auburn 28. Auburn covers but does not get the win. Claus, what happens, bud? Well, first of all, I think you had a great idea there. I think we'd get Mike Leach a couple boxes of threes from the dollar store and have him coach both Washington State and Mississippi State. I think that'd be a fine idea. <laughs> you can do it. But uh, one thing besides his candy proclivities, we have learned this year that if Colts want to be taken more seriously, all they have to do is upset Bama. I really don't understand why A&M is rated so high. I don't know what so many people see in them. So I'll take Auburn to roll in this one, 31, and the Aggies, 13. Wow. Off the Tobacco Road we go. Carolina, as Mac Brown said, was renting versus buying uh, time in the top 10. Carolina's at 4-4 four and four despite all that came back in a down-down ACC. Wake Forest put up 70 because they had to uh, against the Service Academy two weeks ago. This is uh, your get-right game for North Carolina. 
I know Wake can score and score a lot. So can Carolina. I think this is a setup for Wake that's unbeaten. They're in the top ten, and uh, Carolina's favored for a reason. And it'll be a it'll be a point score. Uh, give me uh, North Carolina 41-35 over Wake. Elijah, what do you got? Yeah, Wake Forest, they're at 8-0 right now, but they really haven't played anyone. Uh, the, the meat of their schedule comes late, which is, I guess, good for them. Uh, and that, for that reason, I, I think Wake has built a lot of confidence as this year's gone on. So I'm going to take Wake Forest uh, with an outright win over uh, North Carolina. Give me Wake Forest 45 and North Carolina 41. All right, so you're going with uh, Carolina. Claus, what do you like here, the Tar Heels or the Deacons? Well, listen, if I would have known that you could give up a Heisman-caliber running back and then go on to have a record-breaking season, I would have traded Rozier to the New Jersey Generals a lot sooner. <laughs> I'll take Wake Forest in this one, 28, and North Carolina, 17. All right, uh, Texas and Iowa State, let's squeeze that in. I think uh, Iowa State bounces back. It's a six-and-a-half-point number. I think they get over Texas. Texas falls below 500, 35 to, uh, to 27. Uh, the win and barely a cover for Iowa State. Elijah? I really never feel like I know what I'm going to get from this Texas team, uh, and they've been doing me pretty dirty in my college football pick So I'm going to go with Texas this week, 31-20, an outright win over Iowa State. Claus, Texas, or Iowa State? Well, I, I really have a, a lot of, of high opinion of Matt Campbell. Uh, so do a lot of Husker fans. I think they'd like him to coach in Lincoln. Then again, I think Elijah would probably like it if Keanu Taylor would knock on his door tonight. I don't think that's going to But I believe Sarkeesian occasionally gets that uh, brew cooking right. So I'll take Texas in an upset, 21, and Iowa State, 18. We will have the Nebraska-Ohio State score prediction next. Clausburn with us. Friday forecast here live at the Single Barrel. Hale Varsity will wind down next. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring me in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks to the Single Barrel for having us out back here tomorrow morning, weekend edition 7 to 9. With Hale Varsity Radio, Real Red Reaction back here at the Single Barrel. Folks are loading up and lining up and getting ready for a steak and a whiskey tonight. There's a lot of state volleyball going on here down at PBA and Nebraska and Ohio State fans here uh, getting ready. Uh, holy, let's get back to the forecast. Chris, holy cow, that lighting you got going down at the Single Barrel. If you're not watching on the ESPN Lincoln Facebook live stream, you're missing out. You got the golden hour so, coming through the windows. It's just lighting you up just perfect. The Well, and, and you've got the sun that's starting to set, and it's bouncing off of the window over the mill, and it's coming in direct, and we're, we're talking sunshine. I mean, it's going to be 70 and awesome tomorrow, 70 and awesome Sunday. So it is uh, the place to be is out and about as you're going to get a, a great temperature November game. Now, last time I was thinking about an upset in the playoff team going down in Lincoln, it was Michigan State's playoff team in 2015, and it was 30 degrees and cold <laughs> for a night game. It won't be uh, it won't be cold by the end of the game tomorrow, at least temperature wise. We'll see what the the feels are like. Uh, with Nebraska fans. Claude, you still with us, brother? 
Yeah, I'm 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 uh, I'm here. I'm just trying to make sure that Elijah understands when you buy him that glass of whiskey that he better not expect anything better than Dickel. Th- then what? Dickel. Look it up. You'll understand why. Okay, you're saying go with the uh, the, the cheapest. <laughs> There you go. Let's let's get to the forecast here. We have one forecast left. He's saying I'm I'm not spending high quality on you, Elijah. That, that's fair enough. That, that yeah, is honestly. Nebraska <laughs> and Ohio State minus fourteen and a half. That's the number. What happens? Elijah, go into the deep end of the pool first. Yeah, Nebraska started off this year doing a great job being able to cover the spread. Uh, you know my uh, my favoritism for teams that can cover the spread. And ever since that Michigan game, they have been down on their luck, uh, unable to cover the spread ever since that Northwestern game. Uh, so I'm going to say that trend continues. Ohio State covers here. It's close at half. Ohio State pulls away in the second half, and they end up getting a big well, let's go with a 42 to 17 win. It's it's like 21 17 or so uh, at halftime, and then Ohio State pulls away in the second half. So uh, an Ohio State win and cover tomorrow. Okay, I am going to go with a Ohio State win and an, an Ohio State cover as well. I think this gets to the fourth quarter with a one scores situation, but I think too much Ohio State. I think Travion Henderson is going to go off. Nebraska's got to pray that they hold him below 150. I don't think that happens. Ohio State, 42. Nebraska, 21. That's the number. Claus, what happens here? Do you have the voodoo doll out? Well, first of all, before I before I give the pick, have you guys noticed uh, when you go onto the social media, you'll see people who will completely deny doctors and science and say, you can cure everything with a crystal and an essential oil. But those same people, if you were to post hypothetically that Maybe the coach of your favorite team ought to try a different quarterback for a series or two. They tell you to trust the authorities and the experts <laughs> in the game. Just an observation. Anyhow, Nebraska has pulled off home upsets against Ohio State before, but this week may be a little different. I don't think Joe Bowserman is walking through that door. Uh, he may walk into the side of the building 20 yards away from the door, but he's not walking through the door. That said, JoJo Doman will be walking through that door, and I think he'll make a big stop late in the game. The offense will regroup, and Nebraska wins 36 and Ohio State 35. Wow. Claus says 36-35 Nebraska. It's the JoJo Doman show. Claus, you'll be good, and we'll see how it feels next week, all right? Okay. Big thanks to the Single Barrel back here tomorrow, weekend edition 7 to 9. Come see us for a bloody and some eggs. Nebraska, Ohio State, thanks for tuning in to Hale Varsity.